1: Yeah, it's so good to be here. I just feel like I've got this like warm hug from you all. You know, it's been just absolutely beautiful to be here and really missed you. Really, really missed you. But hey, appreciate you sending us. Hey, really appreciate all that you're doing to encourage us. You know, we know you're praying. We, we get told that regularly. Hey, your, your encouragement on social media, keep it coming. You think it's just a little comment, thank you. You know, or hey, God's doing great things in Montreal. It's so encouraging to the team and to us. But also, most importantly, thank you for filling your Heart for the House pledges and also your missions pledges, those faith promises you've made before God because it's really allowing us to do what we're doing, you know. And and we absolutely are building the income and we will become self-supporting and then we will transition from that to sow back in to Global Heart, you know, global. But right now, we need the support, you know, and so thank you for what you're doing, you know. And uh, it's, it's so interesting, you know, when we first arrived, Montreal people said encouraging things to us like this is the least generous state in the whole of North America. (laughs) They said they give less to charity, less to church in, in Quebec than anywhere else in the whole of North America. I said, not anymore, they don't. And, uh, and then people said, hey, you know, it's you know it's, it's really hard to get church going here, it's really challenging, you know, lots of judges haven't worked here, said, so not any longer it isn't, you know. And uh, people said, Oh, it's hard, you know, people don't, you know, people responding, it's difficult. We've found the opposite. I'm telling you, we've found the absolute opposite. We we it's crazy. It's crazy, like. Every time we preach, people are responding. God's good. Hey, you know what they say in French? Dieu est bon. Dieu est bon. God is good. Come on. God is good. Hey, let's just pray and I'll let you sit down. (laughs) Jesus, we love you. We honour you, God. We elevate your Word above all other texts. God, we elevate Your Word above all circumstances, God. Father, we don't build our life on what we feel or what we see, but we build it upon Your Word. Father, I pray, let our faith line up with Your Word. And Jesus, I pray, Lord, as I speak today, God, I pray that people would hear so much more than my words. They'd hear the whisper of God into their heart, into their spirit, into their soul. It would renew their mind. Father, we pray, back up Your Word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Why don't you grab your seats? And um, I just wanted to start by saying, Pastor Jared, thank you so much to you and Sue. Thank you for all that you've sown into Leah and I over decades. So Leah came into... Global Heart, when it was Sunset Coast, and she, she, you know, she, she came into church, and she was not walking with God. You know, she was actually a broken young girl, and she gave her life to Jesus here. You know, then I came in later, you know, and then Leah and I were together, and then you've sown into us you know, and caused us to be the leaders that we are, and you raised us up. So we so appreciate that, and we appreciate your continued trust of us, you know, giving us trust here, but also now in Montreal. So we honour your part, we thank you, and Pastor Sue. Come on. Yeah, so God's good, hey. God's good. It's crazy, you know. When you look back at your life, man, you don't know where God's going to take you. Someone told me when I was in the mental hospital in the UK back in the day, suicidal, drug addict. Someone said to me, hey, you're going to end up one day being a pastor in Montreal. For one, I wouldn't have wanted to. (laughs) And two, I wouldn't have believed you. So interesting what God does with you right when you open up your heart and your life because it's crazy the things you know you'll do things you never thought you would do when I first thought God called me to preach I was like I don't believe this you know I I literally was so discouraged when I felt God tell me I was going to preach because I thought I don't know what to say I'm not a speaker I can't do that but it's interesting what God calls you to anoint you for you know if it's God's will it's God's bill right and so we just need to be obedient. God will do the rest. And I'm a product of that. I'm, I'm just a product of just doing my best to try and do what God says. You know, whether I'm feeling it or not, <laughs> whether it's easy or hard, just trying to do what God says. And God just takes care of the rest of your life, right? <sighs> yeah, come on. So we are in Montreal. It is in the state of Quebec in Canada. It's an interesting place and it's an important place that we would go as Global Heart Church because only 0.7% of the population are Bible-believing Christians. That means Christians like we are in this church, only 0.7% are that. So that means we've got 99.3% of the population to to reach. And so it's a a harvest field, right? It's an absolute harvest field. And so, you know, I love that Global Heart church does not go just to the easy places but goes to the tough places that we're called to go you know we're going to post-christian cultures that's what we've done in hamburg in germany that's what we're doing in in, in montreal we're going to post-christian cultures you know in 1950 and into the early 60s 90 percent of people in quebec went to mass 90 percent it had the highest church attendance in the western world They had what's called the silent revolution where the government took power from the church and they become a secular state within a few years attendance of mass had gone from 90% to 14%. They, 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 and then on over preceding years ended up being the least churched place in the whole of the Western world. How interesting. What a transformation. Now what happened was the Catholic Church really controlled the culture. There was It wasn't really separation of church and state. It really was the church ran the state and they did some good things but they did some bad things. And the result was that all of those people that fled out of the Catholic Church mainly were bitter with the church. So they were, they, they were felt they'd be repressed by the church, they felt like the church had held them back, and so they shed the church. And that's kind of the people we're talking to now, that's their grandparents or their great-grandparents. So some of them passed that angst towards the church onto their kids, but not all of them. And then some of those kids passed it on to their kids, so now the grandkids, but some of them, not all of them. So now we're reaching the grandkids, and so many of them come in with the mentality of I think there's some like kind of Catholic faith somewhere in my history but they've never heard the Gospel, they know nothing about Jesus. So when they come to church and they hear the message of Jesus, they're like, I want that and so so what we're finding is that when people come to church they don't come two three four times and consider the message as soon as they hear it the hand just goes up straight away first service you know we had a lady come into our church she was uh, she is a school teacher she teaches French and uh, she came into the church and we are seeing a whole lot of Quebecois people which means people who speak French at home in Quebec you've got people who speak English at home and French at home but most people in Montreal speak both languages and so she she came in she's a French speaker and uh she came into the church and I said to her, hey, how do you end up here? She goes, I don't know really. She basically, I just kind of Googled church. I just, I just had this urge to go to church. I was like, well, fantastic. We're pleased you're here. She sat in the service, bang, hand went straight up for the order call, committed her life to Jesus. I said to her after, hey, I saw you respond and you've made a great choice. She says, I'm going to be back next week. I'm bringing my daughter. I said, great. She came back next week, Bang, she brought her daughter and they're just they're just like going for God. You know, they have, God's touched them. It's supernatural. They're going for Jesus. And you know, she's serious because she said to me a few weeks ago, she's been in church a couple of months now. She said to me a couple of weeks ago, she said, oh, she said, Pastor, I just wanted to talk to you. She says, look, my partner, he's not interested. Doesn't want to come to church, not in Christian, the Christian faith. She says, I really want to go for God. Do you think I should separate with him so I can go for Jesus? I was like, this girl is deadly serious. She's so focused on Jesus. She's like, I've got to get rid of anything that's going to cause me to stumble. I'm saying, well, look, does He stop you coming to church? She said, no, no, He's, he's fine for me to go. He's just not interested. I said, well, you just love Him and let's believe together that He's going to make a decision for Jesus. But God is supernaturally saving people guy called Kevin, he visits some family in another state, his family take him to church, he's never been to church his family take him to church, he's thinking I like this church thing, so he comes back to Quebec Google's church, comes along to us, first service, bang, hand goes up gives his life to Jesus, he then the next week started to turn up at 7, 8, 7.30 a.m. he helps us put up the lights, he does set up he's, he's, he's all in, you know we've got a guy called Anton he come along, he's a Quebecois guy again French speaker uh, at home, and uh, he came to church, got invited by a girl, came to church, first service, bang, hand goes up, and he's all in, you know, and so he's serving, he's now doing the Alpha course with us, we're just going to start a new Christians course, and so man, people are just getting saved like that, and so I want to encourage you, thank you for your support, because that's the fruit of it, you know, and you're going to see many of these people in the days ahead, I believe. Hey, you want to see like a little kind of recap vid of just some of the things that are happening? Great, let's, let's check this out. So good. Hey, God's so good. God's so good. And um, when we first started there and the church first met, or the remnant, which was church after pandemic, they had about 55 people. And now we're seeing about 250 people regularly come to church. Now, they're not in church every Sunday. We're working towards that, but they come regularly. You know, that's people, they come every week or every two weeks or once a month. And so let's keep praying as we teach consistency. You know, people will get more and more consistent in the church. But God's good. Hey, I want to read to you from Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 12. It's so important because I want to declare to you today that we're all missionaries. We're all missionaries. Some are called to go, but we're all called to be missionaries in our context in which we live. Into our work, into our families, into our friendship group, into our what we do for hobbies. You know, we're to represent Jesus on this planet. So we're all called to be missionaries. And in this passage of Scripture in Luke 10 verses 1 to 12, Jesus sends out either 70 or 72 disciples. The number doesn't really matter. The, the texts vary a little bit on this, the copying of the text. And so in one version, it will say 70. One Bible version will say 72. But the point is that this isn't a small number of people. This is a large number of believers that Jesus is now sending out. In fact, all these followers that are with Him, He's sending them all out. And so what it's saying to us is every Christian, Every Christian is called to be a missionary in their context. After the Lord had appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of Him two by two into every town and place where He Himself was about to go. And He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the labours are few. Jesus had a labour shortage. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into His harvest. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves." Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if it is not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide for the labourer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know that that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Wow. Wow it's saying that we have an incredibly important mission, every believer. And it's so important because it's going to affect other people receiving Jesus. You know, and that at the end, that, that's a gnarly bit of scripture at the end. We can, we can skim over these things. It's basically saying, hey, you're going to bring the gospel. Those who want to receive it, man, they're going to receive it. Those who don't, it's saying shake the dust off your feet, keep moving because there's so many more people to reach. But here's what it says. Actually, when Jesus comes again, for those people who've heard that message but don't obey and respond to it, man, there's a harsh judgment that's coming. It's like, wow, this is real. This is real. Yeah. This is real. It's, uh, the work we're about is important and it's life and death. It's yeah. deadly serious. Do you believe it? Yeah. So I want to encourage you, let's remember, let's make a decision. I remember I'm a missionary. In Quebec, they have um, license plates on cars and they have like a motto on the bottom of the license plate, je me souviens, je me souviens, and it means I remember, I remember. So when I saw that and I looked it up, I thought it's very interesting, and I think they're going to show you a photo, and so I Googled je me souviens, it says I remember. I thought, wow, I thought, remember what? So I asked people and they said, we can't remember. (laughs) I'm not joking, you Google it, Google it, it says, they're like not sure what it means. They've kind of forgotten. Now, there's a number of different ideas of what it means. And the one that I like the most is they were saying that, so it's on the, it's on the license plate. It's also on their, their emblem, their crest for the state. And they said that the person who designed that, that, they, that the, one of the, the theories is that he was saying, hey, let's remember the great people who made Quebec what it is. Yeah. Remember the great people who made Quebec what it is. And I thought, oh, God wants us to get Quebec to remember the great person of Jesus Christ who this state was originally formed on, that's been lost over history, but now is being regained by the people. And so I felt God prompting me that every time I saw that number plate and every time someone in our church, our Global Heart Church family and which we we'll see that number plate, they need to remember, I'm a missionary. Yeah. Remember, I'm a missionary. I'm getting people to celebrate He who's been forgotten, Jesus Christ. I'm ushering Him in to people's lives, right? And that I need to remember I'm a missionary. So for, let's bring this into a Perth context. So we're gonna put up a Perth number plate. There we go. Right, so here's what I was thinking. Every time you see a number plate, so you're driving to work, you look out the front, you're, you're on the freeway, you see a number plate, you need to think, I remember, I'm a missionary. Right? You're on the school run, hectic, rushing, kids screaming, all, all going on. You need to remember, I'm a missionary. And one of the things you can do is you can look at, there's a number on a number plate. This one says 18. Hey, maybe that's the number of people you're going to lead to Jesus. Come on, come on. Maybe that's the number of people God wants you and I to lead to Jesus. And for some people in the house who've got more faith, you could, you could go for this one, 232, baby. So I want to encourage you, every time you see a number plate, every time you see a registration plate, remember, hey, I've got to remember the lost. I've got to remember, I am a missionary. Turn to your neighbour and say, I remember. I'm a missionary. Man, if every Christian got a hold of this, wow. Wow, if every Christian got a hold of this. Imagine you're driving to the school and you remember, man, I'm a missionary. But what does it look like at the school gate when you're chatting to the other parents if you're a missionary? What does it look like? You know, if you're driving to work, you know, and you've you've got some meetings coming up at work, what does it look like to be a missionary in that context? In your, what what does it look like? You know, or you're on the bus on the way to college or school, you see a number plate, you remember, I'm a missionary. What does that mean in your school? What are you gonna do in your school in that context to represent Jesus? What's God asking of you? We need to ask these questions. We need to say, hey, God, I know you wanna use me. God, show me how. You know, it says in verse one, after the Lord appointed the 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. There's a couple of important things here. It says the Lord appointed the 72. Wow. Wow. What does that mean? Jesus Christ Himself appoints you. Appoints me, calls us in our everyday life, in our everyday context, we are supposed to be on mission. You know? And it's so interesting that that Jesus called seventy two missionaries, or or as they some texts say seventy. I lean towards the, that it was originally 70. The reason there's a difference between 70 and 72 is as that manuscript was copied, some versions say 70, some say 72. It's just a minor, you know, copying issue. And so usually theologians can land very heavy on one side or the other based on how many manuscripts or the earliest manuscript. But on this one, it's kind of 50-50. So some Bibles say 70, some say 72. I like 70. Here's why. 70 was the number of nations believed to exist in the world when Jesus sent these 70 out. And I believe He sent one person for every nation. Oh, come on. He's saying one seed, one missionary sent out into a home, a school, a workplace, a street, maybe even a city or maybe even a nation. One believer on fire for Jesus. Wow, you watch what could happen. Come on. Because... That group of people, ultimately Jesus' disciples carried the gospel to the entire planet. It's come down to us through history. Now we're here in Perth, Western Australia. I mean, Jesus never came here. His missionary journey, He didn't know existed. Or maybe He did, But, but most people didn't. And so, you know, but the gospel's now come to us. And so we need to understand, wow, man, I have a real significant responsibility here. And we need to be so careful because I think we can, we can so easily not av- put, attribute the value to us that Jesus attributes. So we can think of someone else will do it. Oh, Amber's better at inviting people than I am. Or, you know, we can make all these kinds of excuses, right? And and we can devalue ourselves. But no, Jesus says to every believer, you're a missionary. Every believer, you can make a difference. Every believer, you're to usher in Jesus into your world, into your circumstance. And actually, you're the ideal person to do it. You know, we're all uniquely suited to the mission field that God has called us to. What would it look like if every day you remembered, I remember I'm a missionary. What would it look like? What would your life look like? You know, remembering I'm a missionary can bring incredible purpose to your life. You know, being a missionary can bring purpose to a job or a task that otherwise may seem boring or mundane. I remember that, uh, you know, obviously I've worked for church for a long time. So for me to try and think of a missionary context in my workplace, I've got to go back a bit, right? And so I remember that I between I studied at university and absolutely in the university I was I was on mission so i 'm telling people about jesus i 'm inviting people to church, some people would make a decision for Jesus, you know others would would give me grief, and then when they were really hung over and they were kind of depressed they 'd come to me and talk to me about their problems when no one else was looking, it was so interesting. I was like I became the pastor of the, you know, of my college class, it was my university class, it was so interesting, but then after I finished that uni I got this part-time job for a short time, just for a few months while I was waiting to intern at the church and do Bible college. So I took this job and it was at a family holiday park, you know, like the ones down south, you know, it's like that, but it's in the UK. And I got a job and it was working in like I had like an arcade there with like pokies and like some games machines and so I was in there and this was back in the day, you know, you wouldn't have a card you charged up there and you had cash. So people would give you like a five pound note and you would give them like, you give it back in 50 pences and then they would put them in the machines. I know I'm I'm old people, I'm old. And so that's what was my job. I was the guy that did the change, right? And so when I'm in there, I'm seeing like families, and they're on holiday, but the parents are just on the pokies the whole time, and the kids are kind of hanging around and bored. And so you know, I just I just pray for them. I just pray, Jesus. I just pray, give them a revelation, God. Let them just stop. I don't let them lose, so they go out and play with their kids in the pool. And sometimes they would. They'd like, "Thank you, Jesus." You know. So I'm praying. I've got a ministry. I pray over pokey machines from behind my booth, you know. And uh, and then I was working with a guy. He was. An interesting character, but basically, I'm telling him about Jesus. You know, I'm inviting him to church, and I'm sowing seed. You know, I didn't see anyone radically saved, but I absolutely know that I know I sowed seed. I sowed missionary seed. You know, into that place. I remember uh, eventually I found out that they didn't just own these places with pokey machines, but they also owned strip clubs. The same company, and it was a family business. And uh, and I I just felt nah, basically I've lived in that world as an addict. I can't be around this, even anywhere near it as a believer. So I said, I've got a hammer in, And they said, why were well, you doing a great job and you're on time and you're fun to work with? You know, I said, yeah, look, I said, I've got a backstory. I've recently become a Christian. And, uh, basically I, I just feel I can't be part of something that's involving, you know, exploitation of people, you know, basically I didn't have the language then, but I said it like strippers, you know, or whatever it was, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and uh, and so and it was interesting because I talked to the daughter of the owner. So as I'm speaking to her, she's going, oh. Oh right, like something's happening to her, right? Now I now know it's a spirit. I didn't know what it was. But she was like, Oh gosh, oh gosh, she's going to me. Right, right, yeah. I hear you. I get it. I get it. I said, Look, now I've got Jesus. I've got to live different. She's like, right. She goes, I respect that. You know, and, and so I, you know, God was doing something. I don't know what happened from there. Maybe she inherited the business and maybe she diversified it out of that industry into something much more helpful and positive. I don't know what God did, but here's what I do know: I was a missionary on mission, I sowed seed, I lived. The rest of God, and so I want to encourage you that your life can have incredible excitement and purpose when you make a decision. I'm going to live it on mission. My everyday life now has immense purpose as I live it on mission. Come on, you know one. Per- it's amazing what one person on fire for God can do. Man, you can change a family. You literally can change a family. You know you can change a friendship group. You know you can change a company you can infect and change the culture of an organization you can you can affect a street a city and maybe even a nation right why not god can do these things you know i know that as i've gone for god many of my family have been saved and you know, my mum made a decision my dad made a decision his partner made a decision my sister made a decision my sister's now she may even be in church you know it's like i hope she is hey, Lee, <laughs> same wife same name as a wife don't get weirded out but yeah it's like yeah so so you know god does incredible things through us when we get a whole of. I'm supposed to be on mission. This isn't just about me sitting in church. Thank you, Jesus. But I'm actually supposed to do something for God. And here's what's amazing is Jesus says, the harvest is ripe, but I don't have enough missionaries. It's so interesting. Jesus is saying, I have a labour shortage. Says this in verse 2, and He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the labourers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly. What does that mean? Pray seriously with urgency to the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers. He's saying, I've got a labour shortage. You know, it's like the, the, the people who are growing crops across Australia due to COVID. They didn't have enough influx of backpackers and people to harvest the crops. They were saying, the crops are going to perish. We need harvesters. And so people came from the Solomon Islands and from other places and they came and short-term contracts, and they harvested those crops. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, i got a whole harvest field, but I don't have enough people to bring it in. It's so interesting. He doesn't say, oh, they're so hard, the people of the world. Pray for them that they would turn their wicked hearts to God. He doesn't say that. Here's what he says. No, they're ready. I just need more harvesters. And so you and I need to say, hey, God, use me. Jesus, in my everyday life, plain old me, God, use me as I am. That in my world, my sphere of influence, God, that I might represent you. you know, that might be posting an invite to church for Easter on your social media. That might be it. That might be part of your mission. You're going to do that and sow some seed. You know, what's God asking you to do? But He's asking you to do something. He's asking you to do something because He says, it's labourers I need. It's not, I don't need the crop to change. People are ready. We just need to change the way we're presenting it to them. You know, if a, staff can recruit, if a company can recruit the staff it needs, it can expand rapidly. Its growth, or at least the speed of its growth, will be hampered if it can't recruit the right staff. Jesus said, I've got a labour shortage. I need more staff. I need more labourers. Let's make a decision today to lean into that. You know, people are just waiting to be invited to church by you. They're just waiting. It's like their life's on hold till they get that invite and they encounter Jesus. You know, for others, they're sick. But when you pray, they're going to be healed. Yeah. You know, for others, they're trapped. The devil's got a hold of them in some addiction, or he's got some hold on their life. But you're going to be the gateway, the doorway that introduced them to Jesus that's going to set them free. Yeah. I was so encouraged on Friday night. I was told about a guy, he came to Rise and Stand, and he responded on one of the order calls and he got prayed for. And then he then and he's, what his prayer was is that he'd smoked since he was 14 and he was a chain smoker. So he said, I want you to pray. I just cannot, I cannot give up smoking. So he got prayer. He went and left, went to his car afterwards, lit up a cigarette and felt sick. And he said, hasn't smoked since. <laughs> God just broke it like that. He, could, he couldn't smoke if he wanted to. You know, who, man, what is, just a, lit, just a simple prayer. It's like, you know, when the people were coming and we were praying, you didn't even know what you were praying for. Yes. You don't need to know. Yes. God knows. Yes. So we just got to open up, make room, space. God, how do you want to use me? How do you want to use me? The harvest's ripe. God needs more missionaries. Tell your neighbour, you're a missionary. And here's what's so encouraging. All you need to complete Jesus's mission is Jesus. All you need. Listen to this. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves, oh wow, hang on, he's sending lambs, okay, so, so, so we're sheep, often believers are classed as sheep, they're following the head shepherd Jesus, okay, sh- you want us to reach wolves, okay, so the next line surely gonna say, is going to say to take a knife, right, or a staff, or something to protect yourself, right, oh hang on a minute, no it doesn't, it says carry no money. Oh well, you want me to be even more vulnerable? I'm going. I'm a, I'm a sheep going amongst wolves, and now he's saying take no money, take no knapsack, which means you know no backpack, no sleeping bag, nothing like that. Uh, actually, I don't wear shoes. Hello. It's, this works if you're an Aussie going to Coles. I've seen many people in there with no shoes. They're, they're a pra- practice in this scripture. And then he says, greet no one on the road. So hang on a minute. I'm already, you're saying I'm like a sheep going amongst wolves and now you want to make me even more vulnerable. Yeah, that's right. Because here's what God's saying. I'm everything you need. I'm everything you need. You think, you think I need an evangelism training course. Then I'll make an impact and be a missionary. Or you think I need to learn more about the power of healing prayer and I need to really get into that. Then I'll be used by God. Or I've got to do five years of Bible college or whatever. No, 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 none of that. All you need to do is be with Jesus. You could be saved today in this service. And you can get a hold of, man, I feel better after I've given my life to Jesus. You just go tell someone that. How I went to church I felt better after going. I I feel like Jesus coming to my life, I feel all different. And and would you like to come to church? I mean, that's as powerful as any invitation you'll ever hear, powerful declaration. You don't need to understand every type of Bible theology and answer every argument about evolution or creation. You don't need to know none of that. All you need to know is this, Jesus has changed my life and He could change yours too. And so if Jesus has changed your life, give me an amen. Don't be a distracted missionary. Jesus says, greet no one on the road. It's so interesting. Greet no one on the road. What's he saying? He's saying this, hey, don't be distracted on your mission. I don't know if you've ever been to a a major city like Sydney or New York or London. But often when you see people there walking down the street, they're like this. They're like incredibly focused and you know, well, don't say hi to them. Basically, you know, everything about their body, you like saying, don't speak to them, I'm on a mission, I'm going somewhere. And so Jesus is saying similarly, hey, beware of distraction. Be focused. Be focused. What do we get distracted by? Man, money, holidays, the relationship, you know, the monotony of life. Kids, oh my gosh, they take up so much of your time. You know, there's all these things in life, you know, that distracting us. And now we live in a culture where the media is actually built to distract you. So your phone is programmed to keep you distracted. It's Program to interrupt you continually, so that instead of giving your focus to other things, you give your focus to it. That's how they make money. The more people focus, the more they get. And so. Our whole culture's like that. We've got to make sure uh-uh. Just like that person in the city, I'm head down. I'm going for Jesus. I'm on mission. I can't be interrupted by no interruptions on my phone. You know, I'm turning the notifications off. I'm going to be doing a little bit less Netflix. You know, I've got to make a decision because I'm getting distracted from the most important things of life. And you know what the devil loves to do? Numb you to the truth. So there's a whole world that's perishing. And we're thinking about, I need to get a new pair of sneakers. Come on, come on. Isn't that true? Isn't it true? Like, like, and I'm not saying God doesn't want you to have things. He does. So I'm not saying don't watch Netflix. I'm not saying don't get new sneakers. Do those things. But don't let those things distract you from the most important thing. The most important thing. You can reach Jesus with nice sneakers, people. <laughs> you can reach people with Jesus with nice sneakers. You hear what I'm saying? We need to go for God and we need to make a decision. Hey, I'm going to represent Him. I'm going to represent him. Don't be distracted. Say to your neighbor, stay focused on your mission. Verse 5 Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be on this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. If not, it'll return to you. Wow, what's it saying? It's similar to when Jesus says, shake the dust of your feet later in the passage. He's saying this, spread the seed, the invitation, and the welcome broad. And wherever it resonates with people, invest. Yeah. Oh, man of peace, so spend time. Yep, let's invite you. Yep, let's disciple you. Yeah, let's get you going. But for other people who are like... Oh, just just move on, move on. So we love them, we pray for them, we hope for them, but there's so many people to reach that I cannot be constrained by a few people that now don't wanna hear. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's so important. So here's the deal, for some of us here, You've done a good job. Your friendship group—you—you have—you've invi- invited them to church. You've invited them to Easter things. You've—you've you've done the best you can to reach them. And some of them have maybe come to faith. And the ones you're left with are the slow burners. These are people—they're going to take twenty years, or maybe on their deathbed they're going to, you know, cry out to Jesus. So what you maybe need to do is to just make a decision. I'm going to expand my friendship group so that I can reach more people. You know, so I'm just going to add one in, add one in, add another family in. I'm going to add someone else into my sphere so that then I can influence them. Because Jesus is saying you've got to be so careful that you don't get waylaid trying to put peace into people that don't want it because the the person the very next person is dying to hear it you know I used to find this I used to find this I used to talk to people often when I was on public transport and I would just invite strangers to church and so this isn't everyone's thing but you know I did this for a while so I'd be on buses on trains I'd just say I used to be a drug addict Jesus changed my life why don't you come to church something like that and I used to find like about every tenth person it would just be divine they'd basically they'd be really oh and I suddenly was oh this is just a numbers thing it's not, you know, it isn't just, it isn't like I've got to do it a certain way, change it a certain way, have it all perfect. No, I've just got to keep going and then suddenly you'll hit someone who wants it, you know. And so there's so many people God's already drawing. There's so many people, but you and I have got to keep going to find those people, you know, and not get stuck with just the same group. Do you hear what I'm saying? It'd be great if the band could come up for this last point. Finally, my final point is this. Stay in the mission field God entrusted to you. Stay in the mission field God gave you. Remain in the same house, Jesus says, eating and drinking what they provide for the labourer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Here's what he's saying. He's saying that they were to accept the hospitality that was given to them as fair recompense for their work, but were not to seek better conditions by going from house to house. How interesting. So here's what it's saying. God plants you somewhere. So for them, he's saying, you go into that town, the first house that welcomes you, you plant yourself in there. Then from there, you reach that whole area. But you don't think, oh, the food's actually better over there. Bedroom's nicer, they're wealthier. Thank you for having me. And now I'm going to go over here. I'm working some angles to get myself to the most. Mm-hmm. So it's very dangerous when pastors say, I'm taking a new job in another church to get a better opportunity or bigger. What? What? Where's that in the kingdom of God? It basically says, no, no, you stay where God sent you. You receive what's provided there and that's sufficient for you. And if He wants to move you, He'll move you, but you better make sure it's God. Here's what sometimes Christians can do. God plants them in one church, one house, one place, wants to use them. That's their mission field. They're bringing people in. They're discipling new people. They're being used there. Maybe they're giving to missions. Financially, they're so. There's many ways we can do missions. And they're in that house. And then they think, ooh, I like the worship in the other house. Ooh, I like the preaching in the other house. You know, And then they move house because of really a fleshly desire as opposed to understanding, hang on. God's entrusted a missionary field to me, a place to harvest. I need to be so careful to take myself out of that because Jesus tells the was really do not move from house to house. Don't do it. Stop it. Go to the first place that welcomes you, embraces you, where you know that I've placed you. Very important. Very important. You know, some another way this can manifest is that people will move job and it will take them to another city. It will take them out of the church because there's a pay rise or there's more opportunity in the new role. You better make sure it's God. Better make sure it's God man, make sure it's God. Because if you don't, what happens is you uproot yourself from the mission field He's given you and you jump in someone else's mission field. You start messing up their crops, you know, and basically getting on in in there. And your your crops over here are perishing because you've neglected them. They're now dying. And we're talking about eternity. That's what we're talking about. So these people are perishing because I wasn't, didn't value, trust, understand, man, God's given me something so important. And even if other mission fields look better, now this is the one Jesus has given to me. This is the one Jesus has given to me. I would not have chosen Montreal. That would, not, I, would I would not have chosen that. I would have chosen Hawaii. But man, it's the God, what a, what, a, what a precious thing to be entrusted with. God, let me value that with dignity and honour. You know, and let me never be one of those pastors looking for opportunity, trying to hustle somehow in the kingdom. It's like it's, it's a disgrace. Seriously, I just feel to hit this. We need to say, now, God, I trust, I honor, I value. Thank you for what you've entrusted to me. God used me powerfully. And here's the deal so often, you know what He's doing in that? Changing the inside of you so you can have a bigger impact on the outside of you. Do you believe it? Come on. So, just finally, Am is going to come up in just a minute, but just finally. Every time you see a number plate, je me souviens, you need to remember, I remember I'm a missionary. Every time you see a number plate in WA, you need to je me souviens, I remember that I'm a missionary. And just maybe God wants to reach 232 people through my life, just possible. Come on, do you believe it? Let's give God a big hand, come on.
0: Thank you so much for joining us online today.